And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. Time to talk finance with Luke Smith from Envision Financial. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are we? Really well, except <laughs> I failed to win the $120 million in the Powerball last night. Did you know there are <sighs> two winning tickets? Hopefully one of them is my wife. No. One of them, <laughs> one of them was sold in Coffs Harbour to an unregistered player and the last time I checked, we still don't know who it was, so they haven't claimed it yet. The other ticket was sold in Western Australia, in Kalgoorlie. Turns out it was sold not to an individual, but to a syndicate of 250 people. <laughs> the syndicate was organised by the news agency who um, uh, promoted it under the name Let's Pay Off Our Mortgage. Every member of the syndicate has collected roughly $260,000. Nice. So for most of them, they will pay off their mortgage. Very nice. They were very happy, and the news agent posted on social media, we effing did it. <laughs> and, in, and in 2030, they'll be able to fly out of Perth and spend their money in the rest of Australia. <laughs> But look, you know, isn't that a good story? That you know, that's awesome. One hundred twenty million dollar yeah. uh, jackpot, and one half of it went yeah. to a syndicate where a great number of people get to enjoy the benefit. You know, we talk about this a lot at my house, and you know, my dad's a big advocate of wow, there's one hundred twenty million bucks. Why don't they cap it at like a million bucks each mm. and have a greater impact in? the community. Yeah, exactly. Which in I don't think is a bad idea. There are lotteries in Europe, for example, that do exactly that. Yeah. They don't have a huge prize. They have a lot of decent prizes. Yeah, oh, look, I think it's going to have a greater impact. And like like a good piece of legislation, mm. right? it affects more people, it's more accessible, and it can have a greater outcome across a community than, oh, one bloke from blah, 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 won $120 million and he doesn't need 118 of it. No, exactly you know, it's, right. It's crazy. Although I think uh, people have different ideas about what is their magic number. Oh, from what you just said, $2 million is probably about what a lot of people think, but some people might think, I could get by with $1 million, or I could get by with $10 million. Everybody's got a different number. I, I generally – it's funny you say that, right? So in my line of work, we throw this around a fair bit, and people always walk into me and say – I'm just an average person, Luke. I'm not extravagant. And then the next line out of their mouth could be, I can live on 50 grand or I can live on 300 grand. And the point is that nobody's extravagant around their social network or their social group because you generally have friends that are in a similar environment to you, be it education, be it socially, be it workplace, be it whatever, Yeah. and you end up doing similar things. So I, I, I find that is very much... For me, I think looking at, you know, 21 years of saying to people, well, you know, what do you need to live on? I think the number's more like, in reality, five to six mil mm-hmm. because people have probably got half a mil to a mil of debt. Then they get it left with, say, four or five million dollars. That'll spit out, say, 200 a year. And that comes around to, okay, that covers the lifestyle that I expect for being a lotto winner and having ample capital mm. and being able to do the things I want to be able to give away and, and, and support the kids. Because the reality for a lot of people is they don't win the lotto and they have yeah. to rely on their superannuation. And the yeah. average super payout is still not that flash, is it? No, that's right. And I think, you know, it's I had some people in this week and at, you know, early 40s had got themselves in a very good position and were actually proactively saying, well, can you take our money from us just so that we don't waste it because we understand the benefit of compounding over time. And that's that's the one thing that I say, you know, regularly on the show. Do a little bit of something a little bit sooner because over time it's going to give you the opportunity to benefit from compounding and the longer you leave it, the better you go. So there's, there's no better time than right now to sort of start doing something. 
Don't worry about trying to pick the bottom of the market when the war's mm. on. That's no. that's irrelevant. So obviously, if the super is all you're going to have to rely on, it makes a lot of sense to make sure you've got as much as you possibly can in your super Mm. when it comes time to enjoy the benefit from that. Mm -hmm. Part of that is making sure you're in the right super, isn't it? Because if you're not in the right fund, you could be costing yourself a lot of money. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, today we're going to have a chat about, you know, how do I roll over to a fund that that I want to be in? And the, the one thing I get all the time is, you know, I'll sit down with people and say, well, you know, what are the things that are important to you? And I use the analogy, you know, driving the car, how fast do you go in relation to risk? And I find a lot of people come in and they say, I really get that. You know, I can understand that. And that's the important thing about this is I can understand something from a general terminology perspective. So when we talk about rollovers, might, someone might come in and I'll say to them, well, what do you want to do in retirement? What are the things that are important to you? And I generally get the following. I'd like to be in control of my income. Yep. I'd like to know what I'm going to buy. I want to understand that I can maximise franking credits and tax advantage things. And I want to know that dividends will be able to meet a lot of my pension drawings in retirement. Now, someone else might also walk in and say, well, I don't really care. Just put it in something and pay me this much a year. And that's totally fine. But being in the right fund means you need to look at what your fund offers. And if it doesn't offer what you want, Go to a fund that does. Now, I'm not saying that leaving one fund and going to another is better or worse, greater return or not. Mm. And, and I, I use the following analogy in the office regularly. I'm six foot five. I don't have a mini. No. <laughs> that doesn't mean I'm anti-mini. Great little car. And when my girls get bigger, quite happy to buy them one. Super little thing to whip around town in. Small, safe, quick, handles well. Lovely. But at six foot five, not the greatest car for me. And I I want people to keep that in mind when we talk about super. If you're in a fund that doesn't give you what you want, go to a fund that does. If you've backed through three roller doors at your house, maybe buy a car with a reversing camera. (laughs) That doesn't mean that all cars without reversing cameras aren't great cars. You just need some help because you're visually challenged and you've got no depth perception. (laughs) And super funds are very similar. If you want to move your fund from one to another, have a look at the investment options and we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks in in an upcoming show. But when you want to move, it's not a difficult thing to do. You open a new fund. You fill out the paperwork of the new fund. That can be physically in paper or you can do it online depending on the provider. As part of that rollover, you can nominate to the new fund, hey, fund A, please take 100% from fund B and you list your existing fund on the paperwork. You may, for some example, want to keep a little bit of money in that fund because that's where your employer payments are made. And for simplicity purposes, keep it going in there. That's fine. You may have some insurance. You may be unable to get new insurance and you need to keep the existing insurance you have in that fund. So it would make a lot of sense to keep $6,000 in that fund, which is the government minimum, and you can keep your insurance in place because you can't get new cover elsewhere. If that's the case, then tell on the on the paperwork that you set up, hey, I'd like to move over X amount of money knowing that some will stay there. And the fund will actually suck it over for you mm. automatically. So it's all done... Um, online now. Yes. It's all done electronically through a settlement system at the ATO. And if you're moving money from 
a personal super fund or an industry fund and it's going to a self-managed super fund, make sure you have an ESA code. And that's a new piece of ATO jargon. Right. Well, <laughs> it's it's whoever made it up should yeah. just go to Centrelink because it hasn't made anything easier, hasn't made anything quicker, and whoever thought it was a great idea should reconsider their career opportunities. But you need that number to move over right. from your yeah. existing fund to a self-managed super fund. Okay. Now, in recent years, the government has actually made things a lot easier for people swapping from one fund to another and uh, also to uh, keep you more well-informed. In fact, the government now requires underperforming super funds Mm. to send you a letter saying, hello, we're underperforming. Correct. Which is really helpful if you didn't notice. Correct. So you yep. can take a look at that and then you can consider your options to look around at other funds and find one that performs better. And then when yep. you decide on one, it is so simple to swap from one to the other. You can do it all, as you say, online yep. and it's done through the ATO. Yep. It is a very simple process. It is, exactly. And I think the important thing here is when you're looking to move, make sure you're comparing apples with apples. And the biggest furphy that I see is people go online and industry funds are great at this, right? They go, we're the best balance fund in Australia. We've done blah, blah, blah in return. Yeah. And people generally look at two things when they're comparing a fund, the return and the cost. And they're not too fussed about what happens under the hood. Now, I preface that by saying you need to understand the speed at which your car is going. And we had a beautiful example in the office this morning. Oh, we're going to run a balance fund and a balance fund at the particular fund we were talking about was 80% growth assets and 20% defensive. Now, that's like saying I'm a three-foot midget <laughs> that can ride a unicorn, right? 80-20 is not balanced, I'm sorry. There you go. You know, if you and I get on a seesaw, yes. for me, balanced is 50-50. Well, that's right. Half- You're tall and I'm wide, so... <laughs> and, we, and we balance out in the middle, right? Yes, Half on one side, half on the other. You know, if you're sitting up in the air, that's not balanced. No, it's not. So if you're looking at balanced funds to move to a fund that says, well, we've performed better, just accept that you may be taking on a significant amount of additional risk. So if there is a war and markets come off and you've got far more in growth assets than you realise, then the negative impact on your portfolio is going to be exponentially more than if you had... 50% in growth assets and 50% in defensive. So look at where you're going to go and understand what you're actually comparing because looking at the label, balanced, growth, defensive, is actually telling you nothing at all um, and and, and it's going to impact the decision that you make. So look under the hood and check it out before you make that leap and move. Yeah, that is one of those tricky things, isn't it? Because different companies will use uh, vague and nebulous terms like balanced Mm. and it doesn't necessarily mean anything. There's no official definition that they must adhere to. correct. They could call it whatever they like. They could call it, this is our platinum fund, this is our diamond fund. What does it mean? It doesn't tell you anything. And I think if the ATO and the regulators wanted to actually add some value to the industry, they would be very, very um, aware of the labelling processes involved. And actually, if you want to, like they've done with underperforming funds, if you want to call something balanced, it must be within a certain parameter. I think that would Like 55, 45. Correct. (laughs) That would add a huge amount of clarity to the consumer because it's it's so open-ended at the moment that it's it's almost impossible to understand what you're comparing. 
unless you've got the tools to do so. Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, it's a really simple process. Mm. Uh, are there any hitches or complications people should be advised about? Yeah, look, I think understand where you're going to go. Understand the implications of leaving. So I always say to people, look, if you're going to move, make sure you have new insurance already underwritten if you're going to leave or keep a little bit in the fund so that you are insured. If there are certain things that you like in relation to the fund that you're in, you may be able to have two funds. There's nothing wrong with having two funds. There's there's nothing that says one fund is better than two because an example of that may be, let's say you've sold a property or you've inherited some money or you won some of that Powerball money yeah. and you want to add money to superannuation, adding tax-free money into a fund may be far better from an estate planning perspective and also from a tax perspective than muddling new money into existing money. Because under the water like an iceberg, all super funds have tax-free components and taxable components depending on where your money came from. And sometimes it's far better to not mix tax-free money with taxable money. So having two funds can actually be very strategic other than just jamming it all into one and thinking simple is better. Although you say that uh, nothing, there's nothing to say that having one fund is better than having two funds, um, often uh, it has been suggested that if you do have two funds, you're paying two lots of fees. Isn't that a drawback? Well, it depends. So if you've got $500,000 in fund A and $500,000 in fund B and they have the same investment cost, let's say 0.8 of a percent, then regardless of where you have your money, one or two, it'll be the same. Most will have um, an admin fee that is done on the value of the account. Now, it may be advantageous to have one fund so that you have a total amount of money applied to a sliding scale on the admin fee. But if you could put money into superannuation and you're under 60 and you access it on a tax-free basis, that would be better than paying tax on a withdrawal on a taxable component under 60. So... It really depends on the broader strategy that the individual has and looking at the fee structure of the fund that you're going to because if it's done on a sliding scale, the more you have, the less you pay, advantageous. If you have two funds at half a million dollars and they have the same investment costs, well, whether you have it in one or two, the net fee structure is going to be very, very similar. So you need to see how the fund charges that you're moving into and that's where a self-managed super fund adds a lot of value in relation to costs because they generally cap out from a running perspective at $2,400 when you look at audit and tax and accounting. So whether you've got $200,000 in there or $2 million in there, you should be paying a fixed fee because a lot of that sector has now gone to exactly that. It's not a sliding scale, so you can get a lot of scale benefits um, by having the right structure. I'm with Luke Smith from Envision Financial, and today we're talking about rolling over your super. So, Luke, uh, just very quickly now, with the limited amount of mm. time we have left, what are the key things to remember about rolling over your super? Yeah, so I think I'd be looking at where you're going and the benefits that you're going to try and take advantage of. Understand the insurance options. Understand the investment options. If you want to buy listed shares, don't roll your benefits to the PSSAP because there's four generic investment options. You can't buy ETFs, you can't buy listed shares. That's just one example. There there are plenty out there that, like cars, they all have different features. If you want a reversing camera, don't buy a car without one. Like It's it's not rocket science. Um, Know why you're moving. Make sure your paperwork's accurate and complete and inform the fund of what you want to roll over. Is it an entire rollover? 
Is it a partial rollover? But then also think about broader strategies like, have I claimed a personal tax deduction this year? If you're putting your money into super, you need to lodge your deduction paperwork before you roll over or you may miss out on your deduction. If you're going to super split from, say, your husband to your wife because your wife may be older than you, make sure you've done that before you roll over because in some situations you could be precluded from doing that in the new fund depending on the rules of the fund that you're leaving. Look at the way that your benefits will be invested if you have employer contributions coming in via salary sacrifice and also then make sure that you've got new insurance in place if you're going to leave your fund or leave a little bit of money in the account so that you're insured until you get new insurance somewhere else because you don't need to tie it to the underlying fund that you're with. You can actually be insured by anybody in a superannuation environment and then roll over your benefits to pay that premium. So just go into it with your eyes open because I find a lot of frustration comes about because they've moved, lost their insurance and then can't get new ones for whatever reason. So when you're buying your car, you need to decide, do I want a four-cylinder engine? Do I want a big V8 engine? That's looking under under the hood. Spot on. People... Tradies have utes for a reason. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. And no minis for Luke. That's it. So, exactly. But uh, we love minis. Of course we do. <laughs> They're very cute. <laughs> so, Luke, where can listeners get more information? So, look, if you're not sure if you're in the right fund, 62604749, give Barbara Elka a ring. They can find some time in the diary in May and you can come in and have a chat about what's going on. We've got envisionfinancial.com.au on the website. We've got the Knowledge Centre there, which is a free resource application for everybody we've got the podcast the strategy stack of luke talks money on itunes and spotify and we've got the youtube channel where you can subscribe to envision financial canberra where all of the shows are recorded you can watch it on your iphone pause it take some notes and take what you need fantastic no cameras today luke no cameras today and i wore my new shirt haven't haven't got a hat on (laughs) hair got wet in the rain (laughs) thanks very much we'll catch you next friday see you next week